It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box, the show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a wonderful uh, let's see. I would say Monday night. We are going to record this podcast on Monday night, which is kind of fun for us. Uh, but if you're listening to this, it's probably Tuesday morning already because we're not releasing this until Tuesday morning. That means we have some breaking news and some fun stuff to talk about today. And we're going to jump right into it. A bunch of things to talk about. Uh, coaching announcements coming up. Uh, Christian Pavone, AJ De La Garza, Viafania, a whole bunch of little things in there as well. All right to help me talk about all this the man the the myth the legend uh kevin the panda baxter kev how's it going buddy hey you know that open i had two birthdays and an anniversary during that thing wow that was long <laughs> i was gonna say i like to you know it's 2021 we needed a little throwback uh speaking of coaching announcements there's there, there's there's a throwback component to the coaching announcement i feel like having said all of that stuff it makes 100 percent sense that we go back and and do one of our more popular intros um, and maybe see if 2021 needs that intro a little bit this year. So this well, is well, this is a throwback. Did you, did you get the technical problems fixed? The technical <laughs> problems that delayed this podcast until Tuesday? Do you, do you think our, our listeners are getting smart to the fact that we use the word technical difficulties for some of this stuff whenever we have to delay something for a little bit because of announcements? Well, you said coaching announcement. Is there a coaching announcement? Did that ha- happen? <laughs> well, technically, as we're recording, no, it hasn't happened. Oh. But uh, <laughs> as as we're releasing the podcast, yes, it has happened. And why don't you tell everybody? I know it's going to come to a shock and a surprise. Uh, to yeah, everybody. I hope everyone's sitting down. Yeah, Caleb Porter, everybody. Caleb, no, it's not. It's not Caleb Porter. I just I, I thought that would still be fun. Uh, can the galaxy? Speaking of throwbacks, it's Guillermo. <laughs> yeah. Can the galaxy actually announce a head coach without the Lakers playing, like with and having fans? Is that where they can sit in the well, stands? No, the Lakers are playing. There's just no one there. They could go. You know, if they, uh, Dan Beckerman and Chris Kine could go sit courtside with whoever they want, as long as they're six feet apart and wear a mask, and no one else is in the building. Yes. Yes. So, so I mean, maybe they already did. Maybe that's hey, what happened. Hey, if it's a, someone sitting courtside, maybe it's LeBron James. It's going to be the new LeBron James, the new manager of your LA Galaxy. Yeah, there you go. That I, hey, you know what? At this point, anything would uh, go. So why don't you, why don't you tell everybody what has just happened? Being if we release this, it just happened. Greg Vanny is the new coach of the LA Galaxy. Woo! Shocker, shocker! Yeah. I say, Kevin. I hope I, everyone's I, sitting down. And the throwback component, of course, he is sixth on the all-time franchise list for games played. 193 regular season games played. I think it's like 230 with the playoffs. He was on the original LA Galaxy roster. Well, he actually he didn't. He wasn't. He was on the original team, but he was loaned out for the first two games of that season. He came back. He wound up uh, tying for the club lead in in games played. He played in 29 games that season. Um, that was a team, the 1996 team, which made it to the MLS Cup final and lost. That team had five players that went on to become MLS head coaches and three others that went on to become assistant coaches. Greg Vanny is one of them. Others on that team that went on to become head coaches, Kurt Anoffel, Robin Frazier. Um, it's quite a team. Yeah, it, it is. And, and you know, um, it, it was uh, I was telling my wife about this, which is always interesting because she I think she feigns interest. And whenever I get excited about something, she's sort of like, yeah, OK, that's cool. Um, but, uh, I was talking about Greg Vanny and she's like, who exactly is that? I'm like, well, he used to play for the galaxy back in the day. She goes, they have a history of doing that, don't they? And I said, well, I mean, to be fair, the LA galaxy have been one of the, you know, star franchises since the beginning of this league. They've been around for 25, now 26 years. 
Um, there's a lot of players who have gone through there and some of them turned out to be smart, like Greg Berhalter, um, like Robin Frazier, you know, like, um, like Kurt Anolfo, like Greg Manning. Yeah. Pat Noonan. I mean, you go, you can go through a whole list of those. And, and whenever you talk about the godfather of, of us soccer and, and, and Bruce arena, um, you know, being there as well, there's a lot of Bruce disciples that have sort of filtered through, uh, the league as well. So, Almost any time you talk about anything in Major League Soccer, Kevin, I feel like you have the ability to talk about, um, you know, the L.A. Galaxy and having a connection somewhere. Well, and that's why the, Greg Vanny coming back is so important. I mean, we know about the phenomenal success he's had in Toronto, takes over a team that had never had a winning record. And in his third full season, they win the only treble in MLS history. They win the Canada Championship. They won uh uh, league title and supporter shield. They won MLS Cup and supporter shield. Only time it's ever happened uh, in MLS history. So he's had, you know, phenomenal success there in t- Toronto. But um, the foundation for that was laid here with the Galaxy. The the uh, the years that he played here. He also was an assistant coach under Robin Frazier for two years at Chivas USA, um, and then went to Toronto first as assistant general manager, and then took over at the end of that first season as coach. But he talked about the importance uh, when, when I spoke to him today, Monday, he talked about the importance of coming back to LA and what it meant to come back to the galaxy and try to restore what, what the galaxy once was. I mean, he, his memory of the galaxy, he did play on that 2008 team um, that, that was dismal Bruce arena's first half season here, but he talked about, you know, the, his memories of the galaxy and what it meant to the league. He said the galaxy, are the most important club in MLS, they're the ones that have set the bar so high. They're the club everybody else wants to be. Even now, the Galaxy are still, you know, the big dogs. And Greg Vanny wants to come back and restore that. And he, he was very clear about the fact he knows that this is a project. He had a project in Toronto. Right. He doesn't think it's going to happen overnight. He said the importance right now is to build a foundation, build some, some stability, get players to the point where they have chemistry with one another. And that was, for me, that was really refreshing to hear because we know that in the last four years, the worst four-year stretch in Galaxy history, they've gone through 66 players, four coaches. Only one coach has lasted an entire season. Um, You know, they've had uh, their star players, uh, with the exception of Zlatan, who was only here, uh, uh, you know, one-plus years, almost two seasons. But you got Pavone and Antuna and and Fabio Alvarez. Those were all lone players that were gone, you know, after a short period. So – Vanny's talking about, look, this is going to take two and three and maybe four years, but we have to build a foundation. We don't want to be a flash in the pan. We don't want to have one good season and then fade away. We want to build the team back to what it used to be. And that could take time. Yeah. And, and it feels like, you know, and it, it's been pointed this way and, and you can tell me if maybe you think you disagree on it, but it feels like the LA Galaxy want to give somebody the time to build something. And I think everybody says that at the beginning of, you know, a tenure and and certainly with Greg Vanny, I think there's going to be a lot of trust there. Uh, His success certainly at uh, Toronto has given him the respect and and earned that respect to sort of sit there and say, okay, you, you get some time. The only problem is that we know that 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 time can start to to creep up. Yeah, Greg Vanny comes in and I'm sure, and I don't know the contract details, but I'm sure you're looking at three plus years. Um, and you know, similar to what, uh, Guillermo Barrescoloto did as well, but you know, that time starts creeping in whenever you're not winning. And so, uh, I think Dennis, you know, to closer got it the, the closest, which was, um, yeah, y- you need to have time to develop things, but you need to win some of that time in order to keep everybody happy in order to be able to be given the time to construct something. And I wonder if the galaxy are at the, the end of their rope enough to understand that this is a building process that this demands stability and if they have the right person to be that stable influence um then you know greg vanny could you could see greg vanny coaching you know at the la galaxy for the next seven or eight years um but you have to get through like years one and two first though kevin i think there's a lot of stuff going on here first of all you know guillermo came in with a great resume but I, I don't know how many people really knew him. And, and by that, I mean knew him beside a couple of conversations and, and seen him coach. I don't even know that Dennis was that familiar with him. Um, certainly, Chris Klein knew him as a player. But this is a guy that played with, uh, you know, talking about Vanny. This is a guy that played with Klein. This is a guy that anyone around the galaxy, they know him. They know what he's about. Certainly, again, what he did in Toronto. Um, he has success in MLS. A couple of interesting things, though. Toronto, in, in the entire time that Vanny was there, they had the highest payroll in MLS by far. 
So I do think you're going to see, see the galaxy start to spend a lot more now. And that was, you know, Tim Laiwiki was there helping a little bit and Van Vanny came in and Toronto spent a lot of money to get, you know, Michael Bradley and Josie Altador and they had a lot of other players that came through there. Um, so I expect you'll see the galaxy start to spend. I think that Vanny's going to sort of demand that that's kind of his MO. Um, so I think that's going to happen. And, and the galaxy said that they've, they've never had problems spending if, if they think they're getting value. And that's kind of the, the line that Greg took with me in a phone call today is it's just not spending for spending's sake. It's spending for what we can get. Uh, and I do think that uh, Vanny will have a little bit more. You're right. They do have to win. And Vanny knows that this is the demanding fan base. But I do think that he is going to be given some time and some more important, the, 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 the credibility is not the right word, but the belief. I think if he says that he wants to do something uh, and, and it sounds a little funny to somebody in the front office, I, I think that his credentials are going to allow him to do that. The other thing he's going to do now, and I talked, nobody would say yes to this. Um, but nobody would say no either that he's going to be very involved in scouting. And when I talked to Dennis about that, was it just a, you know, straight yes or no question is he, I understand he's going to be involved in scouting. Is that true? And Dennis went on a long answer about, uh, needing to know the players. I took that as a yes, but what he, what I came away also believing was that, that Greg is going to be involved at every level of uh, player development. Remember, he was an academy director at Real Salt Lake. He was academy director at the start in Toronto. Um, the G Galaxy have a deep academy system, and Greg talked about that. He talked about that as a tool to build. But I do think he's going to be the guy making some of these offseason trips, you know, to outer wherever um, to, to scout players, not now with COVID, but when right. we get back to normal, he's going to be the guy making those trips. Um, Dennis did say they have done quite a bit of work rebuilding their scouting department. And so I would expect that Greg is going to sort of head that up. Yeah. And, and it needed to be rebuilt, you know, whenever Dennis was on uh, our show here at the end of last year, um, which by the way, it's 2021 now. I don't know if I said happy new year to everybody. I think I missed that part. Happy new year, everybody. Um, happy new year. Change your number on your checks. Yeah, exactly. I had to write the date today. I'm like, really? 2021? That seems weird. Okay, sure. We're going to go with it. I was excited to be past 2020 for sure. But anyway, uh, when, when Dennis was on the show at the end of the, you know, last year and we, we, I got to ask some, some pretty pointed questions, which was good. Um, you know, part of that was about the scouting and and about how they're how they're doing that and you could tell that Dennis wanted to make changes there um, and so I think it's a it's a good sign that you know they seem to have found someone in Vanny that fits in with what they're trying to do and you know with Vanny being a, a general manager at, at Toronto and you know before he was GM he also had had worked with some very good GMs as well um, so you can understand that I, I think there's a Everybody's seeing eye to eye there. Uh, Kevin, you mentioned it many times that this seemed like it was, uh, you know, serendipitous, if not full out planned um, with with Vanny not renewing at Toronto, even though they offered him, you know, uh, the job um, or offered him an extension in Toronto. He didn't sign it. I think that was in October, the same time about uh, GBS got uh, fired in that. So when you look at those things and sort of say how this all came about, Greg Vanny seems to want to be in Los Angeles. And I have to imagine that, hey, Toronto seems like a really awesome place. And certainly, um, you know, what they did up there with the team is great. But in terms of quality of life and quality of living, living in Southern California and Toronto, I would have to imagine that Southern California wins that. And you talk about a guy who's coming back to a team that he played for. You know, I think all those things combined lead us to believe that Greg Vanny wants to be in Los Angeles. He wants to coach the LA Galaxy. He wants to return them to, you know, the prominence that they had. He understands the pressure. Um, and hopefully, and I think this is a big part, is he understands the culture that is needed and necessary for the LA Galaxy to be a successful team again. And that was one of the things that people hounded on over and over and over again um, at the end of last season with, with Dennis DeClosa and Chris Klein. What? Well, a lot to chew on there. First of all, have you ever been to Toronto? Uh, yes. It was a long time oh. ago, but yes, I have been to Toronto. It was in the summertime, oh. though. So, Oh, amazing yes. place. It's the most cosmopolitan place you can imagine. It is a terrific place um, for about three weeks out of the year, and the rest of the time it's snowing. But it, it is a remarkable place. And you know what the best part of Toronto is? What, leaving? Best part about Toronto? It's in Canada. So, um, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, Southern California is a pretty good place too. But Greg did say that he feels like he's coming home. He, he was born in Virginia and grew up in uh, the Phoenix area in Tempe. So you might have known him when you were going to school there. Yeah, um, we were BFFs, uh, I'm sure. 
<laughs> and then he played uh, one year at uh, uh, in Florida in college, and then three years for Ziggy at UCLA, and then and started with the Galaxy. He said he has not lived any any place longer than uh, he also played three years in France. By the way, he it, uh, 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 in his adult life he hasn't lived any place longer than he's lived in Los Angeles. So he does feel as if he's coming home. He did leave his wife. Uh, four children. He has a 16-year-old, a nine-year-old, and two two twins somewhere in between there. Uh, he did leave his wife, four kids, and two dogs back in Toronto um, while he sort of gets settled. Monday was actually, he said, his first day in the office. But going to back to what you were talking about, um, I asked him about that because I did think that the, everything seemed to line up. And uh, Guillermo uh, was fired about the same time Vanny was negotiating a contract, a new contract in Toronto. And then suddenly talks fell apart. He, he, he told me that, that it wasn't as done as everyone seemed to think it was um, and that the galaxy were not knocking at his door right away. Right. Um, but he did say that the, what really led him to leave Toronto is he thought that he had done everything that he could do there. You know, he led them to the playoffs five times in six seasons. They almost won the supporter shield again this last season. So he felt like he had the team, you know, set up and the team was performing well. And the only thing he could do at this point is screw it up. He couldn't make it any better. And he looks at himself and he thinks of himself as a builder. And he he wanted he was looking for a project. And so when he stepped down at Toronto, he said, I was sincere when I said, um, I don't know what's next. He said that was true. He said I wanted to, to a project. I said I knew the Galaxy was a project. That didn't mean I was applying for that job at the time. He tells me he didn't really have significant conversations with, with Dennis until December. Um but it, it, I mean, you're right. It, it's just like a hand fitting a glove. It, it just was so obvious that these two went together. Um, you know, I have to believe there were some preliminary conversations of some some sort, and then maybe it came to Dennis saying, "You know, let me look around the rest of the store and make sure there's not anything else I want here before I sign you." But uh, yeah, he said his first day in the office was Monday, and that when he did leave Toronto, uh, the Galaxy job had not been offered to him. But it it really does kind of seem to be a match made in heaven. Yeah, it, it lined up well, and, and and certainly that was the case. But there's more news uh, than just Vanny, and I'm sure we'll continue to talk about Vanny and a whole bunch of other things. Um, but there's also some assistant coach news as well. Why don't you Why don't you tell people about that? Um, yeah, they have hired some assistant coaches. There you go. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for coming. Wait, hold on. There we go. All right. There's there, there's Kevin. Um, you know why they? It's it's really hard to coach a team just by yourself. So they needed some assistance. So they 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 have hired some. And in, in keeping with this theme, uh, Dan Kalichman will be coming back to the Galaxy. He also played on that first team. Played on the defensive line. I mean, again, I hate to keep harping on the same thing, but think about the defensive line they had. They had Robin Frazier who's coached the two teams in MLS and, and been an assistant. They had Dan Kalichman, who has been an assistant for seven years at Toronto and now is coming back to the Galaxy. And then they had Greg Vanny, who is now going to be the Galaxy's manager. So Dan Kalichman is coming back. He's going to be apparently the top assistant. Um, and they also are bringing back uh, Jim Liston. He, w- he was Toronto's director of sports science uh, for seven years uh, under – under uh, Greg, he was a former strength and conditioning coach, both with the Galaxy and Chivas USA and one other MLS team. He is coming back too. Greg could not tell me um, about any more coaches. He said they're still their contracts have not been finalized yet, but it does sound as if uh, much of the Toronto staff. Those are two guys from Toronto already coming. Uh, he couldn't tell me anything about Dominic Kinnear either. He said uh, that he's only been in LA a, a day, and he wanted to talk to Dominic face to face about you know, where he might fit in. I did talk to, to Dennis. Dennis was a little bit more open and said that, um, that Dom is still under contract to the galaxy, that he thinks he has an awful lot to offer. Doesn't know where he might plug into the team, whether it would be in the front office, perhaps in scouting. I don't know about player development. There's still a chance he could wind up on that coaching staff. Although, you know, if Dan Couchman is the top assistant, um, you know, where does Dom fit in? Does he become the number two guy? Does he get some specialized scouting advisory role? Um, you know, I, I, I think it would be, a, uh, you know, a slap in the face to make him like the number two assistant under Kalichman. And uh, that's not a, really a knock, it, it, you know, because Kalichman and, and, and Greg Vanny have an awful lot of um, chemistry together. Right. But uh, – the Galaxy are all hopeful that Dominic stays somewhere and they can find a place for him. And, and we've seen that in the past. You know, when Dan Kennedy was, quote unquote, retired as a goalkeeper, he wound up working in the front office and then went on to do TV stuff. And I think Dan Gargan did that, too, if I'm not mistaken. 
Um, so I think they're going to try to find a home for Dom. They still have to pay him, and they I apparently want him to work for that money. Um, I think he has a lot to offer. I would hate to see them just sort of show him the door. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, you say maybe a slap in the face. Uh, it, yes, you, you could take it that way. Every time I, I think we've sort of looked at Dominic Kinnear and said, well, there's no way he'll do that. He won't become the LA Galaxy's interim manager again because, you know, they've already did it twice and they passed him over twice. I mean, you know, he, he got passed over for the head coaching job again. I mean, let's let's be very clear about that. That's what happened. Greg Vanny took it. Um, Dominic Kinnear was up for it. Uh, you know, Dominic Kinnear came in with Siggy, uh, stayed along as the interim, then stayed along with Guillermo Barrescoloto and was, uh, you know, got passed up for the head coaching job there. Um, and then, uh, you know, now uh, Guillermo gets fired. And so Dominic Kinnear again is, is the interim again, which we didn't think would happen and then gets passed up for the head coaching job again. Uh, I mean, I, me personally, not being the evolved person that I think uh, Dominic Kinnear is, I'd be, I'd be angry already. I'd be, I'd be like, okay, I'm never going to get this, this shot. Um, but there's probably way more into that that comes. But when you look at putting together, you know, a high quality, a high caliber uh, MLS coaching staff, it's not horrible to say that the more you load that bench with people who know what they're doing really and who get along well and have a good, you know, dynamic between everybody, Kevin, the, the better off you are. I mean, we talked about, and you and I am prepping for this, we talked about, you know, you go back to to Bruce and, and certainly successes he had, um, you know, having Dave Sarakin on, the, having Pat Noonan, having Matt Reese, you know, eventually having, uh, you know, Kenny Arena on there as well. You could go up and down that list and really find, um, you know, a wealth of talent. I mean, Dave Sarakin could be a head coach in Major League Soccer at any time, and su- I'm surprised he hasn't been given that job because he's an excellent, uh, excellent, uh, man manager. And I, I think tactician, um, and I think he gets overlooked as sort of Bruce's underlings, whereas in, uh, it, it's funny. I've dealt now with enough quote unquote administrations with the LA galaxy that you sort of get the feeling like whenever, um, whenever Dave Sarakin was there, uh, Bruce didn't really want to do podcasts or come on and do interviews. And so he let any of his assistant coaches do whatever they wanted to do. So we used to have Pat Noonan on the show all the time. We used to have uh, Dave Sarakin on the show all the time. And because of that, we got a really good insight into that, you know, front office and what was happening. Um, you know, Siggy Schmidt came along and I remember I asked for Siggy one time um, and they said, you know, Siggy's busy. And I'm like, well, that's cool. I'll talk to Dominic Kinnear. And they're like, well, you know, hold on. We have to get Siggy's okay for you to talk to Dominic. I'm like, but that doesn't make any sense. Having come from, you know, arenas sort of time there and, and the things that happen. It's like, no, you should be able to talk to whoever really you want. And if one guy doesn't want to talk, other people do. So there was that sort of, you know, thing at the, at the galaxy with Siggy. And then under Guillermo, um, it's like Dominic Kinnear kind of didn't exist for a large portion of that, even though I think that, you know, had they listened to him a little bit more that Guillermo might still be the head coach. Um, so you look at all these things in the different and the different ways that coaches handle things. I'm interested to see how Vanny puts it together uh, with Kalichman being his number one, you know, underneath him. Uh, you know, is there room for Dominic Kinnear? And I think if you're a Galaxy fan, you should be screaming, yes, there ha- there should be room on that bench. But I'm also wouldn't be surprised at all if Dom, you know, gives him gives him the salute and says, thank you very much. Well, a couple of things, you know, Dom is in his 50s. He's a soccer lifer. Um, 50s is not over the hill by any means, but it's probably a little too late for him to start selling insurance. So, you know, where is he going to go? And and the reason I bring that up is I think Dom just, he is, again, he's a soccer lifer and he so loves the game. When you talk to him, the enthusiasm is still there like it was probably when he was a, a an AYSO player, you know, decades ago. Um, he just loves the game. And, and so where we sit here and talk about, oh, you know, he was disrespected and shown the door. I think Dominic, might see it as, oh my God, you're going to pay me to coach a soccer team? I get to be around soccer players? He's probably just loving this. And he's probably thinking, so I don't get to be the number one assistant. I get to be the number two assistant? That's great. I can see a scenario in which Dominic just wants to be on the field. And and if you're going to give him a paycheck and he can support his family, he doesn't care what his title is. I I can definitely see that happening. I remember when I... uh, way back half a lifetime ago when I covered the Marlins and Jeffrey Laurie was the owner and it was a horrible place to be and it was so cheap. Uh, And I remember coaches would come and tell me on their way out the door when they were fired or or quit what an awful place it was and how terrible it was. And then two or three years later, that same coach would be back. And and I asked him, what are you doing? You hated this place. And he said, there are only 30 big league teams. And, you know, there's only so many jobs. 
uh, there are more jobs in soccer, but I think maybe part of that is is Dominic's thing. If I if I work at the highest levels of soccer and I want to stay in the United States, I got to kind of do this. So, I, I you know I I do feel that Dominic maybe got the short stick a little bit, but I I think he'll be okay. I think right. he actually loves being here. And the other thing you talked about with the different coaches, how Bruce was uh, fine with letting the coaches come on and how Dave Sarakin was paid a lot of money and probably as much as a lot of, uh, you know, managers. And he was just an assistant, all that kind of stuff. I, I think with Vanny, it's going to go back to that. I, I think that Ziggy, um, you know, was very respectful of the front office and, and I think they kept him on a little bit of a, of a short string. Right. Uh, Guillermo, definitely the same thing. I think uh, there was some limits to what Guillermo and Dennis could really push for. I th- Vanny is is from the old school. Vanny is from the old regime, um, and even though he was only here for a short time under Bruce, um, when you look at what he did in Toronto, and by the way, he was he corrected me. He wasn't general manager. He said I was more like a sporting director. Gotcha. That there was another general manager. So that fits what he is going to do here. There's not that title. The Galaxy traditionally have not had the title. Uh, sporting director, but if he's in charge of scouting, he's going to be working with the academy, and he's in charge of the first team. That's closer to a sporting director, and I think uh, Dennis is going to be the GM. But I do think that Vanny comes in with the resume, with the history, with the team, um, having run a big payroll team in Toronto and demanded some things that he got in Toronto. I think he's coming in here, uh, and I don't think he's going to be beholden to Chris Klein and and to Jovan, uh, maybe even to Dan Beckerman in, in a way. I think he's going to be he's he's going to come in and say, this is the way I want to do it. And if you want to win, this is the way we're going to do it. And I think he's in a very good position to do that. I think he can definitely point at the last four years and said, you guys want to go back to that? Really? You brought me in to fix it. Let me fix it. I need another 15 million in payroll and let's go. Yeah. I mean, you know, the other part of that is you, you talk about Toronto having the highest payroll uh, in most of those years, the second or third team was the LA galaxy as well. So again, it's not like the LA galaxy don't um, spend money. Kevin, it's just that the players, you know, l- look at the hits and the misses. Um, certainly, you, you even have to go back to, you know, Diego Polenta, who didn't stay very long. Um, and that wasn't a loan deal. Um, but you you go back to the guys like, you know, um, you know Michael Shelvick. Yeah, yeah. Michael, Michael Ciani as well, right? Michael I mean, Ciani. they missed on the players they paid money for. You can even go to People Gonzalez on this and you can say, hey, they missed on the players that they were going to spend, you know, that they really invested a large portion of the salary cap in. And that has to stop. Um, you know, I, I think another thing that, and certainly a, a topic that has been running rampant through the LA galaxy, um, you know, is the loan deals. And I, I, I think loan deals get a bad rap right now from the LA galaxy, but the reason they get a bad rap is the LA galaxy have always used loan deals, uh, to get players, but they have rarely used loan deals to get their designated players and not having control over your top playmakers is a little bit of a recipe for disaster. Um, and that's why I think the the loan deals are getting a bad rap. And we're going to talk about Pavone here in a little bit and sort of where the LA Galaxy are in relation to, um, you know, that deal and how that sort of uh, plays out, Kevin. But at the same time, um, you know, the, the LA Galaxy need to have a core. And a core in Major League Soccer is something of an uh, elusive thing um, because what needs to happen with your core is all the players of that core center, maybe four or five guys, need to keep getting better. And as they keep getting better, they need to be making more and more money. And then almost one person per year in that core you need to get rid of because they're going to make too much money and you need to fill in with a spot uh, you know, and sort of do that. And people say, oh, no, you keep the core together the whole time. And, and Bruce got lucky with some of that in terms of controlling the designated players and having three designated players making an impact right um that's that's super important in that as well but the core there were players that rotated through that i mean you can go back to sean franklin um you know you can go back to uh to todd dunavant um and keeping together some of that core eventually aj de la garza you know robbie rogers um and and all those different things that sort of came they had a central sort of theme of who they were going to keep but eventually those guys got expensive and they had to rotate somebody out. And Bruce is even going through that, I think, with Diego Fagundes um, in New England, which was, you know, he was offered a contract. He didn't see, he, he decided not to sign it. Um, and now, you know, he's he's a free agent and and looking to, uh, I think he's headed to Austin is, is last I've sort of heard. So, I mean, keep that in mind as Greg Vanny goes through and tries to rebuild this roster and create a core 
that yes, he's going to try to get people who work together and who can stabilize the LA Galaxy and give them some real talent and some real quality um, underneath the salary cap. The players that are underneath the salary cap is where you really need to focus on that. But also, and he did this in Toronto as well, rotate people out and find people to plug back in so that way you can continue to be underneath that salary cap. That is the 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 I think the hardest thing for anybody to do in Major League Soccer is understand there's turnover every single year because of the salary cap. It's how you replace those people. Well, and and what he said in regards of the salary, and you're right about the Galaxy, where you know second and third, and Toronto was spent a lot. But you know his argument to me today on the phone wasn't that they just threw money at the problem. He said um, you have to go out and spend when you go out and spend, whether it's a lot of money or not a lot of money. He said that the players you buy have to be able to fit together. He said, especially your DPs, um, they have to go out and perform. And then you need to you need to find complementary pieces with the TAM players you have. And so um, he said, there's no there's no one player that wins games in this league anymore. There's no three players who win games anymore. Obviously, he's referring to DPs there. There's no three players who win games in the league anymore. You have to have a good team. You have to have depth. And you have to have a minimum of a 16, 17 quality players that can help get you through the tough stretches. So he's talking about spending money, but he's talking about spending money in a way that makes sense, where things fit together. Um, and, and I think you can make the argument going back um, to the final Bruce Arena years, about 2015, where they bring in Steven Gerrard for a lot of money and even Gio Dos Santos for a lot of money. Players that didn't really fit in with the way Bruce wanted to play and, and with the players that he had. Those guys didn't really fit in. Uh, then you go out and get Ola Kamara, and then you bring in Zlatan. All of a sudden, he doesn't fit in anymore. So I think Greg wants to be much more strategic with how he spends. It's not just how much you spend, but how you spend it. Yeah, and, and that should always be. I wonder what he thinks, you know, just in terms of even saying, you know, you need to get your three, you know, it's not even just three players playing together. Well, I wonder what he thinks of the LA Galaxy designated players because I would have to man, imagine that with Chicharito and last year, that's a disappointment. And knowing you're coming in and having to, uh, coach Chicharito up uh, in order to be a productive member of you know the team this year, and then having to deal with Jonathan Dos Santos as well, who was a disappointment uh, in 2020 as well. I mean, really outside of Christian Pavone, and Pavone is not on the roster, and there's no good way forward in terms of we we can't predict whether or not he will be on this roster. I mean, um, you know, maybe Vanny's looking, maybe Vanny isn't that high on Pavone because he knows he has an open designated player spot and he could go out and get somebody who he thinks he needs in order to fill in for some of these guys. If not, if they get Pavone back, um, it, 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 it's interesting to sort of play that game because the LA Galaxy's three designated players are locked in. There's no chance to either change how they play or, or add any complementing pieces. And if he's hammering on the complementary pieces part, I would have to imagine you look at the LA Galaxy, Kevin, and you say, there are some complementary pieces here that, 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 that aren't working. They're not complementary. Um, and, and how he goes about sort of trying to construct and fix that. Well, he was, he's always played a 4-3-2-1 in Toronto. That would mean Chicharito as the single striker, and we've talked about how that probably doesn't work. So it would be interesting to see, you know, whether he changes that. But, you know, look where he spent his designated player money. He spent, you know, he spent a lot of money on Michael Bradley, who's the midfielder who kind of runs things, more of a defensive midfielder most of the time. And then he had Josie Altador, uh, you know, a striker. He did spend his money, uh, you know, strategically in places where he – he thought he needed help, and you can, you know, it, it's kind of interesting to to take his formation and the players he had in Toronto, and then look at how they would work here. Uh, does that make uh, does Jonathan Dos Santos then become the Michael Bradley over here, and right. Chicharito, the Josie Altador? How mm -hmm. how does it all fit together? Yeah, I mean, it, the pieces aren't horrible for him, um, certainly, and and you know, putting together a you know a four two three one or a four three two one, however you really want to look at that. I mean, it's basically a four three three whenever we get down to it, um, which is a lot of what Guillermo sort of you know intimated in his his lineups. Um, but having a one up top with Chicharito is is probably still um, you know the way it's going to work for him. I just think that um, you know you look at Josie Altador compared to Chicharito, and those are two different playing styles, right? Josie can hold the ball up, is physical. Uh, Chicharito isn't that guy, and so how Vanny sort of uh, goes goes about and, and and brings Chicharito into this game plan, which is something that Guillermo failed to do uh, and was something I think Dominic Kierwood had did a little bit better, but still wasn't wasn't perfect. Um, so all of those things that you're looking at, it's going to be interesting to see how Vanny sort of tries to, um, you know, mold this in a direction. And in year one, um, 
he has to have some success. I mean, he doesn't, he, he's going to get a little bit of a free pass, but I'll tell you right now, galaxy fans are not into that free pass for more than maybe half a season. And who knows what kind of season we're even going to see from major league soccer again in, in 2021. So, uh, it could be another, another crazy one in terms of how the games are played, the shortness of the season. We, uh, the, I, I don't know if we talked about this, but, um, you know, with the MLS players union being notified that the MLS owners are, are enforcing the, the force majeure uh, basically means that for the third time in 12 months, uh, major league soccer and the players union will be negotiating a, a collective bargaining agreement again. Um, so we don't even know how that affects things right now because the players sort of indicated pretty early on that doing that would be a mistake. And perhaps we're going for a work stoppage. Maybe it'll be a lockout. Maybe it'll be a strike. One of those things, certainly um, one or both of those things could could certainly happen. Um, but trying to do that in year one, I mean, I think Galaxy fans are going to expect that. Yes, Greg Vanny has to rebuild. Yes, he has to do things. But winning uh, still needs to happen during that rebuild. And that's that's going to be tough right now. Well, we talked a lot about that whole uncertainty. And first of all, going back to the labor union, they have 30 days by law. They have 30 days to decide whether or not they're going to to negotiate in good faith over a new collective bargaining agreement. And then after those 30 days, um, uh, then something has to happen. Either they, they decide that they're at an impasse and there could be a work uh, stoppage, then they decide they want to continue negotiating, whatever it is. The fact that it started in December means that they that 30 days will be up by the end of January um, which would be the traditional date for training camp to start. So that does give both sides some time to work out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it does. It, it does give uh, give people time to work out, um, you know, doing just just trying to figure those things out. And MLS even came out, uh, you know, recently, I think it was today and put together sort of the dates for the important schedule. Uh, Kevin. And so they were sort of saying, Hey, these are the important dates that are coming in. And gr granted they had, you know, NWSL dates in there and NCAA dates in there. Um, but in that they mentioned that you're looking at, um, some, some, uh, some dates that are coming up in, in terms of, uh, major league soccer and training camp starting basically, you know, at the end of January type of thing. Uh, and then also looking at, you know, a league that starts at the beginning of March. I mean, you know, they said tentative, in, in both of those cases, but at the same time, the, the, the clock is counting, you know, it's January 4th. Um, we are, we are right on top of everything in, in terms of how this, how this, this, this league is going and how things are headed in that direction. Um, and so I would expect that, you know, you're, you're running out of days here because by the end of January, things are supposed to start happening in terms of training camps. Well, I talked to, um, Greg about that and said, you, you know, right now they have 17 players, on the roster, they don't have a goalkeeper that's played a game in MLS, so they need to resolve that. They don't know the Pavone situation. There are a lot of questions, and Dennis, or Dennis, um, Greg said that they are going to act on the assumption that training camp is going to start in January and try to have things in in hand by then. And then, if they get more time, if this thing is uh, you know, drawn out a little bit, then they'll then they'll have time to actually, you know, take longer looks at players is what he said and and to spend a little bit more time scouting players and getting a feel of what they're doing. So they they look at a delay as not necessarily a bad thing for the Galaxy since they are now, you know, a month away from this less than a month away from what would traditionally be the start of training camp. Um, what MLS is looking at and first of all, back to the players thing. The players are angry, and they were angry last June when they were forced uh, to accept a collective bargaining agreement and go to the MLS's back tournament. They felt like they had had uh, good negotiations over the first CBA with ownership. They felt like Don Garber forced them to go play in the MLS's back tournament, and the, you know the players took pay cuts. So did the league. The players took pay cuts. There were a lot. You know, they were the ones in quarantine. You know, Don Garber wasn't in quarantine for uh, you know 35 days or whatever. You know, one out of every five players tested positive for COVID last year. I don't know how much that's been reported. A number of teams had, you know, huge outbreaks like Colorado. The players felt like they gave more than just blood, sweat, and tears. That that you know, in some cases, they they gave their 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 health last year, and they feel like by by forcing these these new CBA negotiations that. Uh, management did not appreciate that. And I, I do think that they're going to dig in a little bit. And, and, you know, what will MLS do then? Will it go out and play college players? Um, they may not have a season. Maybe they'll be eligible to play. Right. Um, you know, w what do they do? So it's interesting. And MLS has some decisions to make about when the season starts. If they start on time, 
they're not going to have that fixture crunch at the end when, uh, you know, there's going to be eight World Cup qualifiers uh, between September and November. That's right at the end of the MLS season, traditionally in the playoffs. Are they going to try to play through that? Um, you know, that's something that they have to think about, not just with the U.S. national team, which is European heavy now, but, you know, Honduras and and uh, and Mexico and to an extent, Costa Rica, uh, Trinidad. A lot of these teams have players that will be leaving for World Cup qualifiers. Does MLS want to start now to avoid that or does MLS wait because they 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 took a billion dollar bath and the majority of their revenue comes from game day receipts do they want to wait and maybe try to start the season in April or even June with fans in the stands maybe they play another 24 game season or 23 right. game season um, they have a lot of decisions to make there's there, you know I, anyone who thinks that they know that the MLS season is going to open on time and how it's going to to unfold you know, I think they're fooling themselves. I don't even think MLS has the slightest idea right now what's happening. Yeah. By the way, we should put in quotation marks a billion dollar bath. All right. Because yeah. that's uh, that that's that's a very round number for it to well, be. You know what they did? They said projected revenue. So yes. you could project you could project we were going to get a billion dollars for our MLS Cup final on Univision and just project that and say we lost it. I think that's another issue the union has, too. I think if these talks when these talks heat up one of the things you're going to say is show us where you lost a billion dollars because uh, the English Premier League was not projecting losses like that. Yeah, except they have a larger TV deal. So, I mean, you know, you can I can start arguing on both sides of this, and, and I understand, um, you know, I, I think from both sides what, sort of what this is all going to take. So, um, but yeah, that's that's an interesting part. So you're going to put in Greg Vanny. You know, as much as we tried, and I think people tried to give um, Gamera Bereshkoloto a little bit of a pass because he was coaching, you know, during the COVID season and how everything was, you know, sort of crazy. Um, I, I don't think Vanny's going to get the same amount of time only because we've now been at this almost a year. Um, it, it's just, it, again, the results are going to matter and I think they're going to matter a lot sooner than people really always say they're going to matter. Um, you know, outside of the first three or four games, I have a feeling the Galaxy fans will be pretty impatient with how much uh, the losing has been affecting them in, in, in 2020 and, and to start 2021 that way uh, as well will, will be uh, will be difficult for them to weather, I think. So anyway, that's, well, yeah. Well, one other thing I wanted to add, uh, going back to something you said earlier about when you talk about constructing teams and we talked about the pieces fitting together, um, way back at the start of this 2020 season, before everything went crazy, I did a story on David Beckham's first season and first game because, you know, he was owner of uh, Inter Miami. Um, and Tim Wiki told me, you know, every we brought in Beckham and we put him on a team with Landon Donovan and everyone thought, oh, this is great. And here's two of the you know the best players in the United States and one of the best players in Europe. And it's going to be a great team. And Wiki said, we knew that this was not going to be a, a winning team. And in fact, you know, 2007, 2008, they were terrible. He said, when we became a good team and when they won their first MLS Cup was when they brought Robbie Keane in. And he said, because you look at it and Beckham's a midfielder. He's not going to score a lot of goals. He's going to set up a lot of goals. Who's he going to set up? Well, he wound up setting up Robbie Keane. So putting that team together and having those pieces fit together is why I go back and say, you know, it didn't make any sense to bring in Gio. It didn't make any sense to bring in Gerard. That's not what they needed at that point. And so it's the way that the, the pieces fit together that's really important. And another thing about Greg, you talk about whether or not there's a honeymoon period. Um, this, this, this is an important hire, and here's why. You could say that Kurt and Awful, they were they were going in a different direction and it didn't work out. Okay, fine. And you know, you can talk you can argue about that. Then Ziggy came in sort of as a just let's get back to normal, let's stop the bleeding. I don't think Ziggy was supposed to reinvent soccer with the galaxy. I, I do think he was a let's stop the bleeding kind of higher. That didn't totally work out. Guillermo was kind of the guy they wanted. Um, that's who Dennis wanted. That's you know, that's why he didn't hire Porter. Um, and that didn't work out. The, the one thing I think that changes now with Greg Vanny is he is who they want. He has all the things. He has success in MLS. He understands the galaxy history. He understands Southern California. He knows the fan base. He knows AEG. He is the one guy that is unassailable in a lot of ways. If this doesn't work out and you talk about the pressure will be on him, yeah, maybe. But I think the pressure is on the front office because we've been talking about you change the coach four times in four years. You change 66 players. And the one thing that remains the same, well, two things remain the same. One, the front office remains the same and losing remains the same. So if you've changed all the players and you've changed the coaches and you've changed the style of play, but you haven't changed the front office and you're still losing, it's pretty easy to figure out where the problem is. And I think now Vanny answers that question. If they continue to struggle under Greg Vanny, 
then it, it's obvious where the problem is if it wasn't obvious before. And the front office is going to have to look at itself and say, maybe we're where the change has to come. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, right, as of right now, we're not expecting any any other changes uh, within the structure of the front office. Would that be that be fair, at least right now? Uh, uh, on Monday night, yeah, but by the time this runs on Tuesday morning, it could be different. <laughs> I, I'm not expecting any front office changes. Um, it, there was to be an announcement Tuesday morning um, before we were recording this that there could be some other changes. I expect it's probably the announcement of Kalichman. Um, there are some player signings out there. We know about Jorge Villafania. Right. They're not ready to announce that yet. Apparently, as of Monday night, the team and Viafania's agent were not ready to confirm that. We know that it's going to happen. It's just not done yet, and I don't know what is holding it up, contractual language. Perhaps maybe Viafania doesn't want to sign until he finds out if there's going to be a season. Maybe uh, there's something to do with uh, trying to negotiate a contract without a pay cut in case of COVID. It, it could be language in the contract. Um, there are likely to be other signings, as we mentioned. They do not have a goalkeeper with MLS experience, right. David Bingham can be re-signed. And we know that uh, Jonathan Klinsman is out there. I understand his contract is pretty rich and they may be trying to talk him down a little bit. Right. Um, those could be signings coming. Um, there, There is going to be more news this week. We just don't know if it's going to be, it, you know, whether the Galaxy consider the coaching staff to be big news, whether it's a player signing or what. Yeah, it's there's there's as as I said on on Monday morning because I know everybody was sort of expecting things. I said this week seems like the week that you're going to get some of those announcements that you were waiting for. Um, so you know, just sort of hang tight in there, and I, I think you're going to get it. Um, one of the things that is still going on, and if you're paying any attention whatsoever, you're seeing it. Uh, Pavone um, and the the saga with Boca Juniors. Um, you know, there were reports that Pavone did not report back to Boca, and that, that upset Boca, and now Boca has not registered him for 2021 which means that he can't play with the team. And there were some people who were taking that as an indication, perhaps, that uh, he would be coming back to the LA Galaxy. Uh, I think e if either of those are true, A, doesn't connect with B there. It doesn't necessarily mean any of those things. Uh, other reports are out there that say that Pavone asked for a pay raise from Boca, and Boca didn't like that. Um, I don't know how true that is either. Uh, and then there was also reports out today that said, you know, Pavone did take his uh, his COVID-19 test, and so as soon as that clears, he'll be able to, to train with Boca and so he's expected to be training with Boca being that he's still their player. I mean, you know, we've sort of gone over all this. We talked about it on the podcast last week. Uh, I wrote an article on it as well um, that still holds true. Um, and, and Kevin, I know you got to ask a little bit on Pavone today. What's uh, what what's the official line right now? So that way we could tell everybody that that basically nothing has changed. Yeah, as of Monday evening, Dennis is still negotiating with Boca. Um, doesn't seem to feel like any breakthrough is close. But he's still talking, which means he hasn't given up hope. And um, I've heard from a lot of different people that Boca can be a very, very difficult team to negotiate with, that they, they greatly overvalue their players and they greatly undervalue where they're going. So it's sort of like, he's not going to come play for you. Well, in this case, I think Dennis has a good hand to play because um, – Reportedly, Christian Provone loved L.A. and wants to come back. So, um, you know, I, I think Dennis sort of has a stronger hand. And I don't know, you know, Pavone was a guy that Arsenal and other teams were looking at and apparently were very high on. But this transfer window is is completely out of whack with, with you know, COVID. The, the transfer window in Europe is just opening now, and the Premier League is already talking about taking a two-week COVID break. And they haven't had fans on the stands, 2,000 fans at the most. So they're having financial problems too. If they once thought that Pavone was a $40 million player or if Boca really thinks it's a 20, he's a $20 million player, they're not going to get that in this environment. Yeah, it, it doesn't seem likely. We said that, you know, after after December 31st, uh, that he is a Boca player. Boca now has to pay his wages. I think that his return to Boca came with a pay raise already um, because I, I think that Boca has to pay because of the union rules in Argentina. Boca has to pay, um, you know, the, the salary that he was getting at the LA Galaxy, which now makes him one of the higher paid players. And we talked about valuations. Um, you know, Pavone right now is one of the highest value players on that team as well. So paying him the most money at the highest value, if either of those things are hurting Boca. And there has been some people who have who certainly come out and said that, you know, Boca's not in any financial issues. They don't need to worry about this stuff. Um, for right now, it seems that most teams are in financial uh, problems. Uh, and that includes the LA Galaxy, which is why there's there's they really need to be smart about Pavone. Um, and I think with Vanny in there and, and sort of bouncing that off of, of Dennis and understanding it, I, I'm, I'm not one to say that Pavone wasn't the best player for the LA Galaxy last year. I'm not saying that if Pavone comes back, he's not, you know, a, a contender 
for MVP of the league. He should be. He's one of the best players in Major League Soccer, so he should be. But when you're Greg Vanny and you're trying to construct a team, is Christian Pavone where you really need the help? And and that's one of the questions that that I don't know that I can answer right now. Um, but it's something that that Dennis DeClosa and and you know Greg Vanny are going to have to figure out. And eventually, dealing with Boca gets tiresome, and you don't want to do it anymore. Um, and maybe that means the galaxy have to walk away because they're not going to overpay. This is one of those where it seems the LA galaxy, um, at least sometime have a clear path to getting Pavone. And that number seems to be anywhere between eight and $10 million and anything over that, anything that, that values the player at more than 10, it feels like the LA galaxy aren't going to be able to go and aren't going to be able to do. Um, and so, you know, that's just, I, I think that's realistic right now, understanding the task that's ahead for Vanny and the coaching staff and Dennis as well. Understanding all those things is, is really why this isn't, the easiest decision for them to make and certainly one where they can't afford to overpay for, for Christian Pavone. Um, yeah. And what do you think about the possibility of Toronto players coming here? We already know that Greg's bringing a lot of his coaching staff. One of the things that play that coaches do is they, they bring people that are comfortable, they're comfortable with, whether it's coaches or, or trainers in the case of the, the performance coach. Now, um, you know, Bruce arena, when he came, reached back and got Mike McGee and some others that people thought, what are you doing? They were players that he was comfortable with. And you look at what, um, uh, what Greg Vanny did in Toronto uh, after he was, in, you know, in charge, he brought Marky Delgado over from Chivas USA, um, uh, you know, and now you see he's bringing again, he's bringing his coaching staff over to LA. I wonder if he tries to bring some Toronto players over to LA, people that he's comfortable with that that maybe he can get for a good price that would fit a role, you know, something that he. Uh, 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 position of need here in, in LA. Yeah. I mean that, that is one of the advantages of having somebody who's familiar with MLS and, and has coached a lot of players too, right? Is that you say, man, I really wish I had a guy like this guy who can fill in at this role. And it's like, well, why don't, why don't I just see if that guy's available? And Oh, look, he's available. I'll bring him in. I know this guy. I know what he does. I mean, you know, Bruce was famous for that. Siggy did that as well. Um, so, you know, you're sort of like, I know this guy, I know what he can do. You need to bring him back in. So there's some, there's certainly something to that. Um, that makes a bunch of sense. Uh, one of the players that perhaps we thought um, and, and sort of bringing this show to a, to a little bit of a point here, Kevin, but one of the players we thought was going to come back or at least had the ability to come back, who was uh, divorcing himself from um, uh, FC or, or Inter Miami. I guess we can only call him Inter Miami for so much longer until they lose that lawsuit and then uh, they have to change their name, which uh, seems like it's actually a possibility if you read up on that uh, Inter uh, uh, yeah, Inter uh, over in, in Syria ah, is actually suing in the United States. Um, As well they should, by the way. Do you think so? There's plenty of teams named yeah. Inter. Well, I don't know. I guess this is more of a, a problem I have with MLS. They keep telling us, you know, we're America's league and we do things differently. And this is, uh, you know, the American Soccer League and we have playoffs. So then why do we call our teams Real Salt Lake and Inter Miami and Sporting Kansas City? There's no, or, or uh, United. You know, the whole title United came from cities like Manchester where they had two different teams and the teams came together to form one team and they became united. That's why you have Newcastle United and, 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 um, uh, you know, Manchester United, that's where this came from. There's no, uh, there's no uh, United, uh, in Atlanta and Minnesota. There's no un reason to call those teams United. It's just to make it sound European. And so right. anything that, you know, call it the Miami, I, I, I don't know, call the Marlins, it the Miami oh, South beaches or something. Oh, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's an argument to be made about that. I mean, I think it's funny that whenever you go back and you say, you know, the original teams had American names. One of the original teams is DC United. Um, and so, you know, you can you can make that argument going back all the way to the start of the league. Um, it's just it's just interesting to, to sort of put that stuff in there. But anyway, yeah, there is a lawsuit going on. So anyway, at Inter-Miami, we know that AJ De La Garza uh, was leaving Inter-Miami. And there was definitely, I think, some hope. Um, and I would think that there was interest, at least from either the player or from the LA Galaxy, to have AJ Delagarza come back to the LA Galaxy. But the reports out and, and news that broke today um, was that AJ Delagarza is going to, guess what, New England, where he rejoins with Bruce Arena, um, which makes a hundred 
and 10% sense whenever you're, you're you're thinking about where he could possibly go. I thought maybe the LA Galaxy, maybe with Greg Vanny back, maybe that would make some sense, and maybe everybody would sort of get on the same page for that, and the LA Galaxy need a backup right back, and they need that leadership, and you know, they talk, we talked about signing Sasha Kleshin, and how Sasha Kleshin sort of brings some of that leadership, and if you got AJ Dela Garza back as well, uh, well, apparently Bruce also had that idea uh, of doing that, and so uh, AJ Dela Garza looks like he's headed to New England to reunite with Bruce and, uh, and some of the other coaching staff there and, and that's and, totally a bruce move I yeah mean, he again we we talked about he did that with mcgee he did that with a lot of players that, and aj was a guy that he drafted um you know out of maryland and and really liked and and brought along and it's just a you know it makes a lot of sense yeah. uh I, I could see aj maybe sticking around after his playing career and maybe that's why he did this you know he went out and got uh, Greg Berhalter and brought him in and, and sort of had him become a player coach. And I think Pat Noonan may have been part of uh, one of Bruce's early teams. Um, he brings guys in that he respects and, and, and mentors them along and, and helps them in their, into their post playing career. And, and I think AJ may be a guy that's at that point. Yeah, it, it certainly seems like that, uh, that could be going that way. But anyway, um, that, I think that that hurts a little bit for the LA Galaxy, just understanding that the Galaxy really wanted a backup sort of right back. Uh, they could come in behind Julian Araujo, who could be away on international duty, who might actually get sold, uh, I don't think maybe this winter, um, but perhaps this summer. Um, and so you need somebody to sort of be in that position that can play that position. I'm sure that Greg Vanny and company are going to be able to to figure out and fill in that position. But as of right now, AJ De La Garza is not that guy. Um, and he will be going to New England. So um, I don't know. I, I think uh, there's certainly the rumor around that uh, that all of all that ails the LA Galaxy is is revolve uh, revolves around the untimely departure of uh, AJ De La Garza from the LA Galaxy, and that there's an AJ curse uh, going on and surrounding. This is basically like Babe Ruth, um, you know, going on with the Boston Red Sox, uh, uh, Kevin. This is almost the same level whenever you really think about it. But AJ, well, no, yeah, no, not really. No, not, not really. really. Oh, okay, it, a little bit of but, hyperbole. But it, it does. It, the timing does make sense if, because you remember not only was AJ traded, but he was traded against his wishes when he's told he wasn't going. And what I mean by against his wishes, anyone can trade anybody at any time. But, but traditionally, a guy of AJ's stature, the team goes to them and said, "We're thinking of trading you. Is there a place you would like to go? Is there any? You know, do you have any favorite places?" They had told AJ exactly the opposite days before they trade him. It was in late January, and they said, "You're not going anywhere. You're gonna, you know." be at training camp when it opens here and we're ready to go. And then surprisingly he got traded with just days to, uh, to get to Houston before the start of training camp. So if there was a curse, yeah, I could see that that would be the guy that would bring it. I, I don't know that I'd call it the curse of the Bambino. We have to come up with another name. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the, <laughs> the curse of AJ doesn't work for you. Is that what you're saying? That, that would be okay. I suppose I, I'd like to get a little, I have to think about it. The curse of El Trafico. Okay. All right. No, that does it. That was that predates. <laughs> it was even. a year earlier. Yeah. Yeah. It did. It didn't work at that at all. So uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, some some interesting stuff certainly going on. Um, you know, w with all that. So we'll see it. Um, the other thing that's sort of been popping up, and and I, I don't have any good information on this, but MLS has uh, sort of been hinting at, and I think Adidas came out and sort of said that the return of some third kits. I know Kevin, you're really hot into the kit talk. Um, but the third kits may be returning to some teams. Um, the LA Galaxy have two famous, famous third kits. In fact, two of the best looking kits the LA Galaxy ever put out were third kits. Um, even though I don't like one, people continuously rank one of those very high. Um, and then uh, it's the black and gold that uh, that certainly came about and, and was uh, was worn by the LA Galaxy as a third kit, which is one of the sharpest that they ever put out. Um, and then there's the LA flag kit that had the green and the yellow and the red on the, uh, on the shoulders. And I think the silver LA Galaxy the uh, uh, logo on it as well. So um, those were some of the third kits, but all those went away along with sort of the long sleeve shirts. And now apparently Adidas and some select teams are going to be uh, reinstating some of those. I tried to find out if the LA Galaxy were one of those with a third kit. The rumor is um, I think there's a new primary this year. So a new first kit um, is going to be coming out. Um, and then there was a new third kit that possibly could be linked to the LA Galaxy. And that third kit possibly could be yellow. At this point, there's a whole bunch of rumors um, and some uh, a whole bunch of different things. But uh, if you think about it, uh, a yellow kit, Kevin, 
uh, sort of a throwback to the LA Galaxy's first original years. Um, you know, having some of that yellow, having some of the green in there as well, and then having Greg Vanny as a head coach um, to, to sort of complete the throwback with with Kalichman on the coaching staff. I mean, you know, go find Robin Frazier and, and you've got yourself, uh, you know, an, an, an L.A. Galaxy, you know, starters uh, on on uh, throwing it back to 96. Um, and and you can have a, a throwback sort of third kid as well. I don't know if yeah. any of that's going to happen, but I at least think it's interesting. I could find Robin Frazier. I have an idea where he is. But yeah, I mean, if they're going to do a third kit and it's select teams, is it going to be the Galaxy or is it going to be Montreal Impact? Come on. The Galaxy always have the best selling, one of the best selling kits in the league. Of course, the Galaxy is going to be involved in that, unless there's a discussion that maybe a third kit would detract from the great selling. Uh, numbers they're getting from one of the, the first two kits. So uh, if if they're going to offer it for select teams, the Galaxy got to be one of them. By the way, on this AJ thing, I got an idea. Why don't we start a listener contest where uh, listeners uh, give us their idea of what the name should be for the curse of AJ, and the winner gets a a Zoom date, thirty minute Zoom date with with you. That sounds like a horrible prize. I'll be honest with you. I mean, we we could do what we could figure something out. Let's not let's not throw away throw out all of our good ideas the first show of 2021. All right. I mean, you know, I want to I want to save some of those ideas, Kevin. As a matter of fact, because it's the first show of 2021, uh, I also wanted to press this button, which I haven't been able to press in a very long time. Welcome to Panda and Pato's Morning Zoo. Pato. 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 And Panda. Panda. In the morning. Panda and Pato in the morning. There we go. I, I don't know if we there's... Did, we, we did start in the morning. That works. We, we did this time. We did this time. So uh, so that, that does work at least this way. How about time. a 30 minute Zoom date with Chicharito? <laughs> You'd have to get him to show up to a press conference. I don't know if, I don't know oh, if that works. Oh, yeah. good oh. point. Oh, good wow. Point. Wow. A little below the belt in 2021? Yes, I, I think so. Uh, and that's that's probably okay. No, it's going to be interesting. Again, uh, Greg Vanny is head coach. Certainly, if this podcast makes the air, it means that Greg Vanny is head coach. Um, I know as we're... Uh, it, it's funny. Uh, the LA Galaxy, Kevin, while we've been recording this show, put out a video on Twitter um, that is a hype video, certainly. And they are, I, I I think, understanding what's coming You know, tomorrow as we're recording this, understanding that the announcement is coming tomorrow. Uh, it certainly is pointing to the fact. And then uh, Galaxy fans who are eagle-eyed uh, actually find, uh, I, I think, Greg Vanny in this video. Um, it's only for a split second. It's only for quick for, for a second. But the, but the Galaxy doing a little, they're pointing to center field on this one, Kevin. They're calling their shot. Uh, a little bit, a little less than 24 hours or a little less than probably 12 hours um, or a little more than 12 hours as we're recording right now um, from when they're actually going to announce Greg Vanny. So, you know, hey, they're having fun. They're enjoying it. Uh, and I think it's time for the for LA Galaxy fans who have uh, struggled through this last year. It is a time to look and say there's some hope here. Uh, Greg Vanny has the track record. He has an understanding of Major League Soccer. He seems motivated to want to do the job and. You know, I, I think that's all you can really ask for right now. So, so are, are you are you surprised? Did this announcement surprise you? That does no, of course not. We've no. I mean, are you holding out for Patrick Vieira or somebody? No, no, no. I mean, you know, there's certainly, and I think I could make a good argument that Dominic Kinnear can really match a lot of what Greg Vanny brings. But Greg Vanny was the clear number one in this. It made too much sense, and almost if they didn't sign Greg Vanny, you would ask if they went a different direction, Kevin, you would say you would want to slap him on the back of the head and say, really, it was so easy. And all you had to do was pull the trigger on it. It was the right move to get Greg Vanny and you couldn't pull that trigger, but they did. And so I don't know that there is much criticism that you can level here um, at them. I think some people think it took too long, um, but I think it played out in almost the exact timeline well, that they expected. Well, I think it to. they had to make it look at, at least make it look like they were checking everything out, checking out other options. And they probably did. But another thing, you know, with Porter not, getting the job in LA and going to Columbus and winning MLS cup two years later in the back of somebody's mind had to be the thought, look, if we don't take Greg Vanny, he's going to Atlanta or DC United or somewhere. And if he has success, then, then, you know, we're double schmucks. So, you know, they, they, they really had to, they had to worry. I think they had to worry about that. If we don't take this guy, if we take a flyer on somebody else, Dominic, and it doesn't work out and, and Vanny went somewhere else, um, you know, that's going to make us look even worse. Yeah, it, 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 there's 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 some of that. All right. Um, we have a live show going, oh. coming up. Yes. What? You had one more thing? Last thing. I, no, one more thing. I was okay. going to say Sokka Diva is probably going to be really upset. It wasn't wasn't Arsene Wenger, though. 
Well, uh, yes, it was not arson. I, I don't, there's, you know, that would have been fun. I would have enjoyed it. Um, but anyway, you know, there's there's some hopes here that that with Greg Vanny uh, being a little more open than maybe some of the other coaches that that perhaps he'll be on this podcast. So we will work on that. We'll see what we can do. And hopefully we'll have Greg Vanny on a podcast. Uh, usually at the beginning of their tenure is the time to do it because they want to they want to sort of lay everything out um, and, and you know, let everybody know what's what's going on and they want to be as nice as possible. So maybe this is the time. So we'll do our best work to try to do it. Uh, Kevin will someday get a water bottle that doesn't have a screw top on it. So that way we don't have to listen to it. <laughs> Never going to happen. Through, we don't have to listen to it throughout the uh, the entire podcast. Um, but you know, he didn't doesn't have a squeaky chair anymore. I don't know what else everybody wants me to do on this. And you got upgraded internet. I don't. I mean, I did. We, we've I made did. strides, Before Kevin. That. Yes, yes, we've made strides, Kevin. So I, I don't think I can give he, you too much credit. If Greg Vanny comes on the show, with, at least with you and I, he's going back to Toronto the next morning. Absolutely, absolutely, no doubt about it. All right, uh, we will have a live show coming up on Thursday, our first live show of 2021. Uh, I believe the hammer is all set for that one. So Eric Portuguese hammer and I will be back on Thursday night live show YouTube uh, at about 8 p.m. is when that will start as long as everything goes the way we expect it to. Um, and other than that, I, I think that about does it. Kevin, is there is there possibly anything else that you want to get to or, or are we good? Uh, fingers crossed. I don't know what this other news is on on <laughs> on Tuesday morning. I hope it doesn't, you know, it isn't bigger than Greg Vanny. But it's, it's going to be. They, could they, it be? They, they renamed the LA Galaxy. They're renaming it and they're moving to um, North Dakota. I mean, maybe it's something to do with Cosmo. It, it better not. What else? Only bad things can happen if they announce something on Cosmo. So anyway, all right. Uh, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at KBaxter11. And please head on over to LATimes.com for all of this information. He has an article about Greg Vanny. What do you know? Go check it out. LATimes.com. Uh, and we'll continue to uh, bring you all the uh, the news and information. It seems like there is going to be possibly a, uh, a, a team press conference that's coming up or at least a Zoom call. So uh, keep your eyes and ears peeled for that as well. And uh, we'll get you all ready again. Uh, live show on Thursday. A lot to talk about. All right. For Mr. Kevin, the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Pato Guessman. And you've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo. And on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.